Hi everyone, this is Ronnie from Everything Vive. I uh, hope everyone's having a great 2019 so far. I uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, start this episode uh, with just a, a quick update as far as, you know, where the channel's going. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of uh, cool things in the works for 2019 with all of the various hardware that's been announced that should be uh, releasing and launching sometime later this year and a lot of awesome games coming. We obviously want to keep our coverage uh, consistent with everything that's coming out. So uh, we'll be doing our best to cover all of those items. And um, at the moment, we're actually uh, working on getting um, some various uh, developer interviews and other uh, types of content lined up as well. So, uh, you know, it's been a little bit slow as far as, uh, you know, from from the end of December moving on into January since everybody's on vacation. But now that everybody's back into the swing of things, uh, hopefully we're going to be, you know, posting, uh, you know, a lot of great comment, uh, content in the near future. So with that said, I thought that today's episode would mostly uh, be focused on a lot of the announcements coming out of, of, uh, of, of CES 2019. Uh, in particular, I wanted to focus on HTC. Uh, as far as I know, and, and none of us uh, had the pleasure of, of making it out to Las Vegas this year to attend CES, uh, but we've been, you know, obviously keeping track of, of a lot of the announcements from our couches and from our desks. And uh, HTC obviously had a lot of cool stuff to announce this year. So um, I also know that there were there were some things from Pimax that were shown. Um, nothing that I could tell that was you know brand new or anything too crazy. But at the same time, um, they did they didn't you know show off some stuff there um, at CES this year. But um, I'm not really going to be focusing on that. Rather, I'm going to focus on on the HTC announcements just because uh, those were definitely more interesting to me. Um, so I guess I mean I've I've been reading about uh, about what HTC showed um, at the conference from a lot of different sources. Um, for those that haven't, um, you know, that don't know what HTC announced, they had a press conference at the beginning of the show, um, which I'm sure you can sh you can go and find the the recorded stream for, uh, where they announced several things. Um, I would say like the big takeaways, they announced a a uh, pro uh, a prosumer slash more enterprise level headset. Uh, it's more or less a new version of the Vive Pro called the Vive Pro I. It's the Vive Pro, but with uh, Toby uh, eye tracking capabilities built into the headset. So that's one thing that they announced. The other thing is more of a consumer focused product that they haven't all. They also haven't released um, any kind of a release date for, but uh, it's called the Vive Cosmos. And that the Vive Cosmos had kind of been uh, hinted at um, or leaked rather uh, in the the days prior to CES. So people kind of had an idea that something called Vive Cosmos was going to be announced. I think there was also uh, a trademark for uh, Vive Cosmos that had been registered, um, you know, in the months prior to the show. Um, but yeah, the Vive Cosmos is definitely more of a consumer focused uh, product uh, that's supposedly going to be launching later in 2019. And then along with that, they made some announcements um, relating to the software that will work 
um, with the Vive Cosmos and uh, hopefully the other Vive headsets as well. I, I imagine it will. Um, Vive Viveport Infinity is one of the services, and then also uh, Vi- the Vive Reality system. And so um, I guess to kind of circle back and talk a little bit more about each of these announcements in detail, um, the Vive Pro I, uh, like I said, has built-in eye tracking technology to the uh you know, basically, uh, eye tracking capabilities that have been added to the current Vive Pro that was released, uh, you know, earlier in 2018 for, uh, you know, roughly $800 for the headset alone, or I believe it was around, uh, $1,400 for an, like, a for a pack, uh, that included sensors and also controllers as well. Um, so, uh, like the Vive Pro, but even more so, uh, HTC was pretty, uh, specific stating that, uh, the Vive Pro I is really focused on the enterprise, uh, consumer base. And so for that reason, we will assume that the price point is going to be relatively high, but actually, I, I mean, high when it come when compared to other consumer focused, uh, VR products, but I think actually pretty low when it comes to um, what, like if you're looking for eye tracking specifically at this point in time in the VR market, I think they're going to be trying to come out with a, a pretty competitive price point there. Again, they haven't announced a price, so it's all speculation at this point. Um, but I know that um, if you are looking to try to do some type of eye tracking uh, with the previous uh, the original Vive, for example, uh, there were, I, I think I had read any, like, between five to ten thousand dollars or so. Um, and, and again, you're not, you weren't even getting the benefits of the Vive Pro. It was, uh, you know, the Toby eye tracking along with the original Vive for, for quite a bit of money. So, um, obviously there, there is a demand, especially in the enterprise uh, sector for eye tracking technology. And I, I really think at this point, uh, eventually eye tracking will probably be in every headset. Um, but right now, uh, the people that really want it the most would be at the enterprise level because uh, it's really most useful for, for data tracking purposes, I think. Uh, HTC did mention uh, you know, that you can use eye tracking for foveated rendering. You can also use it for interactions within game worlds. But then, of course, the, I think the data, uh, the data portion of what eye tracking provides is probably going to be of most value to people. And that's really why people will be willing to spend a lot of money now in order to get some of those benefits. Um, because if you're if you're developing software to help for marketing purposes or for training people or you know assessing how athletes are doing on 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 the field for example uh, knowing where their eyes are actually looking can give you a lot of information um, some of the so, some of the uh, the demos that they showed at CES was like an MLB training uh, an MLB training experience. There was also I know BMW and some other man, uh, manufacturers that were mentioned uh, that were interested in in learning from eye tracking kind of what users uh, focus was on when looking at new products. So that uh, you know when when looking to market something, you can actually gain quite a bit of insight. Um, sometimes, I mean, as we've covered on this show in the past, uh, simply giving surveys to people that are trying software, 
aren't going to be as accurate as actually, you know, being able to to kind of monitor and and see what your what what your testers are actually doing and taking that data and 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 interpreting it yourself. Well, providing eye tracking with these headsets are going to allow developers and companies to monitor what testers are doing in a way that's much more nuanced and much more telling of what they're actually uh, you know, focused on when they're doing the experiences more so than what they probably even understand themselves. So all of that stuff is really, really amazing. It, it kind of harkens me back to some of the stuff I saw um, at GDC last year with, 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 uh, with soccer uh, training experiences using the, the Vive trackers. Um, there they were talking about some of the advantages that you would be able to tell from seeing where people uh, where players that were wearing the headset were actually looking downfield uh, to see kind of what their, their field vision was like. Well, I would imagine... Um, incorporating eye tracking into software like that will just make that that much more advanced and much more tr- that much more helpful. Uh, I'm not sure if you know some of those developers were already using eye tracking systems um, that were more expensive from Toby before, um, but you know I think it's a smart move for HTC to to add this stuff sooner rather than later into the Vive Pro. And I think that the Vive Pro as a platform is a good is a good place to kind of you know release all of these different SKUs with all of these updated technologies at various price points that are necessary, and then you know with the understanding that it's not necessarily for everyone. Uh, so I mean, to some extent, I'm actually more uh, pleased with this release than the original Vive Pro. I think with the Vive Pro, even though HTC did. Uh, you know, give a lot of disclaimers saying, "Hey, we know the price is high." Like, they didn't say that we know that the price is high. They said this is a prosumer or enterprise level product, and then they released the price. Um, back then, I think people, you know, were just waiting for upgrades to their Vive, and so they were put off when something that was out of their price range came to market. I think now. Uh, with this release, HTC is kind of doubling down on separating out the consumer uh, products versus the the enterprise products, and I think people will be less inclined to to worry about whether they have eye tracking or not. For example, when these are, especially with eye tracking, it's going to be feature, a feature that isn't really utilized in most games or most apps uh, that are available to the public. It's just something that uh, has to be utilized by developers. And I think it's, you know, when it's only going to be available to a very, very small uh, percentage of VR uh, users, it's just not going to be something that's really programmed for. Therefore, you know, your average customer doesn't have to worry about not having it in their headset. And once the price points are cheap enough, I'm sure... That eye tracking will be available in, in in different headsets, and then once it's more widely available, then obviously uh, you know more and more developers will utilize it. But for now, it's awesome that people that will utilize that technology sooner rather than later will have access to it, and um, it's it's pretty cool that 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 uh, that HCC is adding it in now. Um, the other thing that, you know, just to mention quickly before moving on to the other announcements is foveated rendering. Um, that's, again, something that I think is going to become very important in the future. 
Um, and obviously you need to be able to track eyes in order to, uh, to know where, uh, the pixels need to be fully rendered versus where you can, uh, you know, where, where you don't have to render out all of the detail of a scene. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, it's essentially a way to lighten the load of what's going to be required for your computer and your graphics cards to render the scene that's being created for you in virtual reality. Basically, why fully render something that you're not actually looking at? And so by tracking, eye, tracking the person's eyes and the headset, you're able to only draw in full detail what the eyes are focused on, and anything that's not being focused on will be slightly blurred, uh, therefore uh, not requiring as much power from your computing device in order to render it. So um, that'll definitely be something necessary, I think, in the future to both increase resolution in order to get rid of uh, you know, that, the dreaded screen door effect, uh, to be able to push... Uh, you know. Uh, push retina-level displays uh, where you're not going to be seeing pixels in the headsets. But also, I think that, and one of the things that HEC kind of alluded to in, in some of their uh, interviews that they did from CES was the fact that it'll be useful for streaming purposes. They talked about streaming video and how if you're using foveated rendering, how you also won't have as much data to actually have to stream to the headset uh, because only a smaller portion of that of where you're looking has to be, you know, fully streamed. I, I don't know how quickly um, something like that would be able to adapt to where you're looking and, and exactly what the benefits are, but it it seems like it would help. I mean, especially for me, what'd be most more exciting would be less about just like actual download streamings of videos and more like maybe streaming from a PC, um, i.e., like some of the wireless. Uh, adapter technologies that we have right now. Um, and I would imagine anything that lightens the load of what needs to be sent from from the computing device over to the headset, if you can lighten that enough to where uh, it's it's easier and easier to send it to the headset, then I would imagine you know latency issues and and even some of the overhead that CPUs are required to take on right now um, to to send a lot of that data hopefully would be decreased. So uh, you could see perhaps better better wireless solutions if you had significantly smaller amounts of data that had to be sent to the headset um, via foveated rendering. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential in a lot of the technologies connected with eye tracking for VR headsets. And so it's cool to see HTC already implementing that in an in a product that can be purchased for whatever price it ends up being uh, for enterprise prizes. And you know obviously uh, the more that the technology gets its way into different businesses eventually, um, it will hopefully become cheaper and, and be more accessible um, on the consumer front. So with that in mind, um, moving over to the to HTC's uh, consumer-focused announcement for the Vive Cosmos, um, I would say the biggest takeaway with the Vive Cosmos for me is that this is HTC's kind of big push to make VR uh, more approachable to the masses. So it's, it's different than Oculus's approach. We know that Oculus has the Oculus Quest that's coming out uh, later this spring, and that is an all-in-one unit where 
You don't have to have it connected to anything. It has inside-out tracking, so no need for sensors, and just has everything built in. Well, the Vi of Cosmos is kind of a it. It makes things quite a bit easier in terms of um, it doesn't have any base stations. It's it it so it it doesn't uh, it has inside-out tracking just like the Oculus Quest, um, but then and it's it's a lighter form factor. It uh, also comes with controllers that link to the headset. Um, and you know, again, utilizing the inside-out tracking, it looks like um, well, they're likely tracked um, via like light sources on the controllers that are detected by cameras on the headset. Um, but then it, the Vive Cosmos differs from the Oculus Quest in that it doesn't have the actual uh, computer hardware built into it, so it needs to be tethered to some other kind of device. So the Oculus Quest, everything built in. You don't need anything to connect to it in order to have experiences. The Vive Cosmos, you're going to have to connect it to either a high-end PC or what HTC is kind of vaguely stating, um, a lesser compute device, such as a mobile device, such as probably a, a like a laptop. Um, they're not really giving a ton of specifics on on what type of devices it'll be able to connect to besides high-end PCs. Uh, but the cool thing about it is that it is going to be mobile. You won't need any kind of uh, you won't need any kind of tr- trackers or sensors um, like the Vive requires with the lighthouses. And then uh, you know, finally, despite the fact that you don't need sensors, you'll still have uh, six degrees of freedom with with tracking. So you'll have you'll be able to do room scale um, experiences without the need for those sensors. So. I mean, I think this is a, a cool step. It'll be interesting to see exactly how good the tracking is, but based on other inside-out tracking that we've seen from other headsets, I mean, it's probably good enough for, for what you need. Um, and, I mean, I'm I'm one of those people that higher fidelity tracking is always better than lower fidelity tracking, but at the same time, I I agree with HTC in that in order to really make... VR mass market, you're going to need to have to do away with sensors. You're going to have to make uh, setup and installation a lot easier. So I'm I'm not convinced that the Vive Cosmos though is is a complete step in that direction because I it still sounds to me and again we don't know all the details but I mean if you have to connect the Vive Cosmos to a high end PC to get it to work, then the high end PC itself is still a big barrier event barrier to entry. Uh, most people just don't have high-end PCs right now. And the people that do have high-end PCs aren't so flustered when it comes to uh, you know complicated installations and setups. So I'm not sure that you know you know getting rid of this the high the hard installation but still requiring a, a separate you know a separate high-end device is going to really, do what it needs to do, but at the same time, if if it if you're able to get good experiences from the Vive Cosmos by using uh, a lot of uh, like most uh, phones out there or um, or relatively low end laptops, then that could potentially be a solution. I mean, the other thing that I I was kind of curious and and kind of putting together some of what they were talking about with the Vive Pro I and and the Cosmos is I wonder if they're really uh, seeing a, a future where where streaming becomes super important, and so these are all just stop gaps, and eventually, 
you'll be streaming a lot of content to headsets. I, I, I find that hard to believe if, you know, because latency is such a big issue with VR. If we're not able to get great latency with streaming just traditional PC games, then it seems like VR streaming will be way further away than that, but who knows. Um, but at any rate, um, yeah, Vive Cosmos, a, te- a tethered, uh, you know, inside-out tracked Vive, essentially. So, I mean, the 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 cool stuff on there, it's light, and it's going to be easy, and I mean, I, I, I definitely see myself getting use out of some a product like that, but I wonder, and again, HTC is like, I mean, they understand. They are looking to address the market where there's people that just, you know, maybe don't want to install sensors or something, but they're still pretty tech savvy. Uh, maybe that's what this is for. And the Vive Cosmos really isn't this huge mass market push. But at the same time, they kind of linked the Vive Cosmos with uh, the announcement of their new Viveport Infinity service as well as the Vi- the Vive Reality system. So the Viveport Infinity service is, is a big one. Um, they basically more or less announced that the Viveport game service that's that's been already available is going to be expanded so that uh, rather than having to switch between a few games a month, uh, now you pay one monthly fee and you get access to everything that Viveport has to offer, i.e. Netflix. So you're still going to have to download uh, the games, but there's no limit on how many you need to download or how many you can download per month. You're just able to access everything. I think five to six hundred uh, various types of content is what they have available right now. So I, I mean, I think that could definitely be uh, really worthwhile for people. Um, and I mean, they are kind of getting away from Steam, I think, more and more as this goes. I mean, the Vive Cosmos obviously doesn't use Lighthouse tracking systems, so I would imagine that the technology in the Vive Cosmos has really nothing to do with the the Valve technology that was used with the Vive. And if that's the case, then really you might see the Vive Cosmos as kind of the successor to the Vive from HTC. They might not ever release another, uh, you know, Steam OS focused lighthouse based system. I mean, I, I don't know because the Vive Pro obviously is still very, uh, very entrenched with the lighthouse technology. But um, you know, with rumors that Valve will be releasing their own headset, this really seems like the first really big departure on the consumer front from from HTC. They've already been kind of you know developing their software side with Viveport. And now maybe the Vive Cosmos is there is going to be their big way to really um, hopefully release a product that really uh, kind of like more all in one keeps people in their ecosystem. So with Viveport Infinity and then also the Vive Reality System, which is the other announcement. I mean, I think that's really their goal is to keep people within HTC's. Uh, you know, platform here in terms of the software. They didn't really, I, I don't think that they announced whether the Vive Reality system will be compatible with other headsets. I would imagine it would be in their interest to make it that way, but at the same time, I mean, they talk about this population one as being this, uh, essentially think of it as some big 
in-headset hub that allows players to communicate with friends and move from experience to experience, different utilities that are provided by the Viveport Infinity service, just all kinds of things. Uh, HTC describes it as basically, you know, you stick the Vive Cosmos on, you're in this, this Vive reality system, and that system is the, the gateway or the hub that allows you to just seamlessly do everything that they envision you wanting to do in VR. Um, so it seems just like a, a much grander vision of like an Oculus Home or even the Home uh, screen from from the Steam OS, where uh, really they they're just hoping that they can create something from a software level that keeps players in their ecosystem while they're in the headset at all times. So so and I and and I mean I I do commend them for for trying to make a more cohesive environment for that. I mean, the way the way that it's been described in the article sounds amazing. It's whether it's actually going to be implemented uh, like that that, uh, you know, is something t- to wait for, I guess. Um, but, I mean, the Vive Cosmos, I mean, essentially it's there. It's HTC's uh, first steps to making something that's that has broader appeal. And so... They're making it lighter, easier to install by not requiring sensors. They're, it has a flip-up design, which is something I didn't mention from before. So not only is it lighter, but you can kind of just flip it up quickly if you need to talk to other people or, or you know, get out of the experience for a little bit. And then while you, when, you have, when you flip it down, um, they're providing you with, with uh, you know, the Viveport Infinity service, which allows you to... Uh, you know, have free access or have a, at a monthly fee, gain access to all of the content that they've that that they've curated. Which, at this point, I think Viveport does have a lot to offer. And then on top of that, they're trying to create uh, like a UI or or a hub world that makes it so that you don't have to you know leave their their system in order to access all of the different types of of community and communication features as well as gaming features and other utilities that you'd need. So if all of this works well, um, it sounds like it'll be pretty cool. Like I said, my only main concern is, well, what types of devices are you going to be able to connect the Vive Cosmos to to run effectively? Um, If it's only going to be high-end PCs, which I know they're saying it's not, but if if it's only high-end PCs, then... I think that market, for the most part, is already covered, and I question whether this, whether what they're providing with the Vive Cosmos is going to be enough for a lot of PC owners out there to finally jump. I mean, I think, I think a lot of PC owners are technically savvy enough to where if they were interested in VR already, they would have made the jump. I don't think there's necessarily anything too, too complicated with the current systems that have prohibited them from, from joining, i.e. they shouldn't be the ones that are that we're targeting right now, but who knows, I could be wrong. Um, but if the Vive Cosmos does connect to uh, mobile uh, devices better and has some kind of built-in features, which I'm not sure that it does, but if it does... Um, then it'll be interesting to see. So, and at an either rate, at the very least, if it ends up being competent as far as uh, tracking and all of that goes, it might just be a really good 
uh, sensorless, you know, more customer friendly version of the Vive that current Vive owners can upgrade to at a relatively low price. And if it has uh, like a higher, let's say it has it has much better screens. If it has higher resolution screens than the current Vive, and the tracking is fine, and the price point is good, then yeah, it might be something that they they get a lot of a lot of Vive owners to upgrade to, because it would essentially be a trackerless version. It is it, it'll essentially be what the Vive Pro should have been for consumers, as far as uh, like a a relatively uh, like you know a well a well priced upgrade to their original Vive system that is easier to use but still has most of the same functionality with some with some you know minor upgrades I don't know uh, upgrades to the visuals and and mob- mobility for example so anyways those were kind of the main takeaways that that I saw anyways from from HTC's event and definitely we'll be hearing a lot more I think. Uh, more details about the Vive Cosmos and more specifically pricing for the Vive, Vive Cosmos, which will be a big factor as to whether it's a successful product, I think. Um, HTC is claiming that they'll come out with those in the coming months, so it almost sounds like they might wait to see what how the Oculus Quest does in April and then and then make some announcements based off of that. Or who knows, it? they might just announce some of that stuff prior to the Oculus Quest in March. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're getting close to the release of the Oculus Quest. So given that they didn't really make a lot of announcements here at CES, I would imagine that, they, that some of that will either come right before the Quest to kind of steal some of its thunder or right after, after, after HTC gets a chance to kind of see how the quest is received perhaps i don't know um but yeah um all of this stuff is is really interesting and i'm glad to see htc making some big announcements to ces it seems like ces is kind of their show as far as where they like to make some of their bigger announcements and yeah later this year with the oculus quest coming with hopefully at some point maybe at gdc let's cross our fingers some kind of announcements from valve in terms of what they're doing um both from the vr hardware and software side of things you know just like just like hcc seems like ces it seems like valve seems to like gdc so uh it would be awesome to to get more um announcements and more word on what they're working on there because that's going to be a big uh a, a big a big player in the in the 2019 and beyond VR landscape. Um, but yeah, just super exciting stuff. And still, I would say that the landscape overall, besides what Oculus is doing, is is kind of more, you know, question marks at this point than confirmed, like, you know, conclusive, uh, you know, direction. Um, obviously, everybody is trying to focus on advancing the, the the technology while also making something more consumer friendly and um, so far both oculus and htc seem to be uh doing that at the price of like they it seems like the consumer side of things are kind of are not really inter- in- including anything super new they're just trying to make something that's approachable and makes sense for um you know everyday users um and then HTC is incorporating some new tech, but most of the new tech 
is really relegated to the enterprise uh, market, which is the market that can actually pay for some of that higher-end equipment. So it would be really cool to see if Valve could somehow kind of make us, you know, kind of find a way to bring some of the some of the cooler new technologies that people haven't been seeing in VR yet uh, to the mass market with a headset of their own. That that would really, I think at this point, that's what would really excite me if a Valve headset had, and we already know kind of some of what the knuckles are capable of, and so that's a huge. Uh, that's a, that's a huge point of departure. I think if it can really differentiate itself in terms of hand tracking and capabilities from uh, the Oculus controllers and the other controllers out there, that that will be something big. Um, but um, you know, knowing more about what their actual HMD will be capable of will be a big factor as well. And then also what you know, kind of tracking capabilities it has and all of that. Um, but I guess we won't really know fully. I mean. I would imagine a Valve headset. Um, any kind of announcement there will be probably, you know, hand in hand with some kind of software uh, from them, and that obviously could be a game changer as well. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm genuinely interested in what all of the major VR players at this point are really doing. And, and in my opinion, those major players, you know, HTC, Oculus, and Valve. Um, and then, and then obviously there's some periphery players like Pimax and some others that are doing interesting things as well. But yeah, um, lots of really cool stuff. And I hope that that kind of breakdown was, was helpful for anybody who either has been following this stuff on their own and just wanted to hear my opinions or uh, hasn't been following it and wanted to get a general breakdown on some of the announcements that HTC specifically made this year at CES. But um, I hope to, to you know, find out more about all of these announcements in the near future. And then I also look forward to speaking with some of our guests in upcoming episodes, what they think about some of these announcements, what they think about uh, kind of this divide between enterprise and consumer level and uh, what that really means for where VR is headed in the near future. So anyways, uh, take care for now. Uh, you know, again, Hope everybody is having a great year and uh, looking forward to providing more content very soon.